0: It's the Locked On Canes podcast, where it's all about the you. My name is Fred Perdue. I'm joined by one, of my co-host Cam Underwood. What's going on, Cam?
1: I'm upset. I'm aggravated. Whew. good thing we have this show because I need I need the decompression because the secret day job. Uh, oh boy, yeah, uh, yeah. I need this. I need this. So anyway, enough about that. How are you doing,
0: man? I'm just, I'm just chugging along, man. Sounds like you were, you know, you were hurt, dog, and nobody don't, don't ask you if you are all right, cause boy, right. Fam. boy, fam,
1: yeah, <laughs> sad days. Anyway, that's in the past. We're moving forward um, to talk about the past a little bit. So before we do that, just want to lo- uh, remind you guys uh, to like and subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts. That's iTunes, Podomatic, Stitcher uh iHeartRadio, anywhere else. Like, subscribe, give us five stars.
0: Make sure you also you follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Canes. You can follow Cam on Twitter at Underwood Sports. Make him feel better. Give him a good comment. Make him feel like he's, you know, he's right at home. You can also follow me on Twitter at Fred CFB. Uh Today we're going a little bit in the past. It was something we already had talked about beforehand before the new year turned. So we're going to take a little dip in the in back into night into 2019 with team superlatives. So. Every year, you know, we we always have the these team awards, and they've already re- done the real thing. But we give our our awards on a t- on a season that wasn't all that great. But there were some bright spots, so we'll kind of get kind we'll get started with that. Uh, we can kind of start with uh, I'll say Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year. Cam, I'll let you kind of start this thing off.
1: Offensive Player of the Year. I think that this is a a no brainer. Unfortunately, uh, was not able to finish the year due to injury, but when he was out there he was one of the guys who uh, was one of the bright spots, if not the brightest spot on offense. He started off the year very, very strong with multiple 100-yard games uh, in a row, including against a a tough Florida defense uh, and some other defenses along the way. So my offensive player of the year uh, was junior running back DJ Dallas.
0: That's a good one. That's a very good one. I was very torn between one DJ Dallas as well as one Brevin Jordan. The production wasn't there number wise for Brevin Jordan. If you actually watch tape, and you know, over here at the Locked on Kings podcast, we watch the tape. And we might actually watch it about two or three times. I don't know. Uh, the tape says that Brevin Jordan is the best tight end in America, and he might just be the best playmaker on the Miami Hurricanes team. But I have to go with DJ Dallas. Simply put, he was the heart and soul of this team this year. And Brevin will probably get it next year. Just You just got to wait another year, big fella.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think that, you know, mentioning Brevin Jordan is good. The per-game stats – for Jordan were elite obviously, but uh, happened to be there because, you know, uh, and missed some time along the way. Um, But yeah, DJ Dallas had 116 carries for 696, 694, excuse me, yards, which is six yards a carry, eight touchdowns, also 10 catches for 140 yards and two touchdowns, um, you know, from scrimmage. So you have – Almost a thousand yards of total offense and 10 touchdowns, or you know, a little under a thousand yards. He also had one kick return for 13 yards and no punt returns uh, of record this year, even though he was back there on return as well. So, this is a guy who was involved, like I said, you know, before when talking about his uh, NFL prospects on offense and on all of the specials. Uh, and he's a guy who can run the ball, he can be a factor in pass protection. He can be a factor as a receiver either out of the backfield or maybe in the slot. Uh, you know, if you uh, run DJ Dallas on like a Texas route, an angle route, uh, for those of you, you know who uh, used to play like the NCAA series, like he's pretty much unguardable just because his short area quickness, his change of direction is very good. So he can impact games on multiple levels, both at this college level and moving forward. But yeah, for everything that he did this year, um, DJ Dallas is far and away, far and away, my offensive player of the year for the Miami Hurricanes.
0: Now, flipping over to the defensive side, where there was a little bit more success throughout the year. There were some some busts, but for the most part, very solid unit. and has been over the last few years. We have our defensive player of the year. This one is easy for me. Uh, one, Gregory Russo. I mean, it, it's, I get that you have the three uh, senior linebackers, one coming back in Zach McLeod, but you also have Shaq Quarterman. He had an okay year. Uh, You also have Michael Pinckney. He had an up-and-down season, Uh, but Gregory Russo was for – he really opened some eyes to the rest of the nation, and he's going to get a lot of double and triple teams next year. And when you get double and triple teams the following year, and we we haven't even gotten there yet, but we already know it's coming, he's easily, easily the best player on this defense. 6'6", like 270. I mean, he's a monster. I mean, great hands, good feet. I want to see more I want to see a more robust set of moves from him, a counter move maybe. That'll be great, but for what we saw this year, the production was there, the skill set is there, very great player.
1: I mean, 19 and a half tackles for loss, 15 and a half sacks, uh which I think ranked fourth all-time or third all-time in the Miami Hurricanes history. Uh, one pass defense, uh, as in bat down at the line, one fumble recovered, two fumbles forced, 54 total tackles, uh, 34 solo, 20 assists. Didn't even start the entire year. And this is the thing that we, well, we didn't talk about it because we weren't even uh, together on this podcast, but I mean, I think we both said it separately. Like, imagine what would have happened or what numbers could have been possible had the staff not been playing the depth chart, depth chart games of putting Russo behind Scott Passion for four games. And I think Scott Passion is a better player than people are giving credit for, but I mean, this is just a, a testament to Gregory Russo's singular kind of talent. 6'6'6'7, six, 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 like we said, somewhere in there. About 270 pounds. I mean, like a nine foot wingspan. I mean, the guy is quick twitch. He's strong. He's obviously long and has a, a strong motor. Had a key stop on a fourth down play against Virginia when we beat them on a th- Friday night in a game where yours truly was the Duncan High Energy Fan of the Week, by the way. But yeah, Russo is, I mean, he's just the combination of potential performance and statistics. I know that some of those statistics probably came at the expense of a John Garvin who was getting those double teams, like you talked about, that Russo was going to see next year for sure. Um, but regardless of wh- if, whether they were like keying on him or not, eventually they were keying on him, even in the bowl game, and he still had a sack and a half then. So yeah, I don't. Th- I mean, are there other players who maybe could have been in the conversation? At a time yes but once you started getting that 12 13 15 and a half sack level no I'm sorry the easy answer was Gregory Russo
0: yeah I for me I he's he's one of those guys that you just don't see when you when you when you're pulling up to the game he's the first guy off the bus he's the guy like oh yeah. I don't want I don't want I don't want any part of that I mean he just he looks different than everybody else I mean even mm-hmm. take away the the arm length Take away the quick twitchiness, 6'7", 270, there's not a lot of guys walking around like that. Even your my guy Chase Young, who uh, I, I really, despite him being an Ohio State guy, I really love his talent. But he doesn't look like Gregory Russo. So it's right. it's one of those things where if you wanted to build a, a perfect defensive end, He's Gregory Russo's that. He can. He's long enough to stop the run, set the edge, mm-hmm. but he's also good enough in on third down where he's just a terror. And if he doesn't get it, it's almost like a point guard in basketball. If he doesn't get the score, he's also he's gonna get the assist. So it's one or the other, and you can, you have to pick your poison. Double team him, leave another guy open, or and let him just come screaming off the edge. A linebacker screams down the middle. Something's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've. Yeah. I mean, this guy Gregory Russo is going to be very much similar to defensive ends of yesterday's past the the Miles Garretts, the Jadavian Clownies of the world. That's what I'm thinking. The Calais Campbell, the Calais Campbell's, the Campbells of the Ted Hendricks. If you wanted to just yeah. stick with Miami, Miami players, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's he is. I mean, he is a freak. And just to just think, he at one point played safety. Imagine in high having, school, yeah. In, 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 in high school. Imagine having to throw a deep ball over him. I mean.
1: Now, again, he was 40 or 50 pounds lighter. Yeah. But, yeah, he played, and people were like, nah, no, nah, he didn't. Go look it up. Go look up yes, the Yes, he did. If you go back and look up my recruiting notebooks that I did all the way through that recruiting cycle, Gregory Russo played safety and wide receiver and sprinkled in a little bit of outside backer. But he worked out at Paradise Camp. And I think it was Mark Richt and Manny Diaz saw and they were like, no, 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 no. That's an edge rusher. And people were like, this 6'6 six, six string bean who's barely 200? They said, yes, that is a defensive end. He is special there. And I know you can't see it, but trust. And this is proof positive of that vision that they had a couple few years ago. So, uh, again, I think it was the easy choice. But now, before we move on, I want to make a um, throw down the gauntlet to you, my good friend Fred. Mm-hmm it would be easy to say most improved player and freshman of the year go to Gregory Russo. I implore you not to give him another award because we already gave him defensive player of the year. Like, duh. Okay. So we could easily just say, yeah, Russo, Russo. Yes, we know that, you know, the other two awards, let's give the non-Gregor Russo division award, if you will, because, yeah, defensive freshman of the year, that's going to be Russo. Most improved player of the year, that's going to be Russo. We both know that. But, I'm going to give it to somebody else because we already know, and I'm admitting that it otherwise would be Russo, but I want to maybe spread the love a little bit because otherwise this is just going to become the Gregory Russo show today. And, hey, if you want to make it the Gregory Russo show, we got stories. So it's up to you. You
0: know, for newcomer, most improved player, I have a different person in mind. Oh, Uh, bet. Okay. I I have a different person in mind. Um, Say less. Defensive rookie of the year or freshman of the year, that one's going to be tough because – you just didn't have enough contribution by anyone else and right. for a string of games. But if you're saying in a one-game setting, based off of potential, I have a very, very good name. Um, All right. So well, we, let,
1: we can, we I'll can, hold it. I'll hold it. We'll we, kind of we, talk we about it. Yeah, we'll see if we're going to be uh, Solomon and split the baby when we get there, but we'll talk about it.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that on the other side. All right. So we have we'll give the freshmen some love. You know, there was a time in in college football where freshmen actually sat the bench and basically they treated you like the JV team. Not today's college football. You have freshmen littered across the board for a lot of these um, for a lot of these teams. And for you, Cam, where do you see the impact of a offensive freshman of the year for the Miami Hurricanes?
1: The offensive freshman for the year. This is a tough one. This is one that I thought of because, you, one would think, oh, let's go. You know, Amon Richards per se. You know, he was he set the record for freshman receiving yards a few years ago. Boom, done easy. You know what I mean? We didn't really have anybody of note contribute at a at the freshman level um, this year. So I'm kind of between a couple of people for that award. Are we including
0: Um, red shirt freshmen?
1: They're freshmen. So yes, Mm. I know, I know, (laughs) but if we're going to include red shirts,
0: that's where this thing has to be. Jaron Williams. Exactly. That's where I was going. It
1: has to be Jaron Williams. I mean, was his season perfect? No, it was not. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and say that James was a perfect player because he was not. Um, but he did have uh, his moments. He did have, you know, uh, he did start, you know, over half of the year. Ended up with over 2,000 yards passing with 19 touchdowns and 7 interceptions at an 8 yards an attempt average um, and 61.5% completions. So, yeah, I mean, he did throw a bunch of interceptions in a row in a couple of games. He did cost us those games by his poor play. Um Nicholson Perry tried to dig us out of those holes, and he wasn't able to do it. And look, again, I'm not going to say that Nicosi was perfect because, I mean, Nicosi put us in a hole that Jaron dug us out of at Pittsburgh. So there was ups and downs. It was inconsistent, his performance, uh, with positives and negatives, and I could actually be going for both, but Perry's not a freshman, so whatever. But, yeah, if we have to do an a overall freshman offensive freshman of the year, I think it has to be Jaron Williams. If it's going to be a true freshman of the year, <sighs> I'm going to have to say Jakai Clark uh, because there's so much uh, oh, there's so man. much left to be desired with uh Zion Nelson because he gave up 11 sacks or more on his own personal. So, yeah, Redshirt freshman, if you include them, Jaron, uh, true freshman, Jakai Clark on offense, I I mean,
0: it was hard. That was a it was a very yeah. hard bad decision. I mean, it's like it's it's by default almost. That's why right. I asked that question, trying to to help this process along because It really wasn't – there's not a lot of freshmen already playing. And Mm -hmm. then on top of that, the ones that did get some kind of playing time, it wasn't good. So I would – I'm kind of along the same lines as you. Jaren Williams played well at times, bad at times. The hype was real behind him. Uh, it, It almost seemed like Manny Diaz at the beginning of the year tried to say, oh, surprise, guys, he came out of nowhere, when in reality he was a highly recruited player at to a point where uh he was beating Clemson quarterback and national champion Trevor Lawrence out uh was it the under no it was the no, it, was it was the elite la- it was the Army All-American game. So yeah. Uh, I mean, and I've seen and I've heard in other in a lot of different circles, a lot of these 7 on 7 type circles that he I mean, he was a better passer than Trevor Lawrence. Now, I'm not going to say that now. Looking back on it, seeing what we see now, Jaron and and Trevor Lawrence are on a whole different wavelength. I'm not even going to sit here and try to be like, yeah, I I can't even do that. I'm not even going to give lip service like that. But, I mean, you see the tools. You see the arm. You see the ability. So, if we go forward with what I see now, yeah, I think uh, he could be a very serviceable quarterback. He could be a very good quarterback. He could be better than Brad Kaya quarterback. It's just, it, it comes to with guys like uh, in, uh, true freshman Ja'Kai Clark and others on that offensive line helping him out. And then him, Jaron, being more consistent and not getting complacent. But that's for another day. We'll talk about that on another day. Let's flip over yeah. to the defensive side. Uh, who is your defensive freshman of the year?
1: I'm going to go non-Gregory Russo um, division because Gregory Russo, I mean, he's the answer. Red shirt or otherwise. Um, and I admit that openly. So, yes, I'm trying to uh, give some shine to someone else. I'm admitting that. Um, however, my non Gregory Russo um, freshman of the year would be defensive tackle Jordan Miller.
0: Ooh. There's
1: a guy who. Uh, Was maybe under recruited as a high school player because he played the majority of his high school time in the middle of nowhere, Florida, at a town called Palatka, um, which I don't even know where that is. Uh, But he transferred to Jacksonville. Heard of it? Oh yeah, because you're from the middle of nowhere up there. (laughs) Jeez, Um, yikes! Big facts. I mean, like I'm—I grew up in Detroit and I live in Fort Lauderdale. Like I'm from places with dots on the map. Like I mean, no, no shade, but like Lakeland and Palatka—they're not dots on the bigger map.
0: This is true. You know what I mean?
1: Um. But yeah, Jordan Miller transferred to Jacksonville Sandalwood um his senior year in 2018 um and uh wait, 2017 cuz it was 2018 signing. So it's 2017, that's when he moved over there, got a little bit of shine, uh came to Miami. He had a little bit of bad weight on him. He was like 6'4, 340-ish pounds, but a little sloppy with his build, really Rebuilt his body to find himself a little bit uh, got rid of some of that jiggle and some of that baby fat uh, And was able to be a contributing member of the defensive line And he's gonna be a key member of the defensive tackle rotation moving forward uh, And I think that he did pretty well By the Time that he got this year. he slowed his way in more blank Gregory Russo um, Excuse me defensive freshman of the year Jordan Miller
0: this one was tough for me, and for me, when I looked at this, I said, "Man, there's not a lot of options." Jordan Miller had a pretty good season. Um, I I went off of potential. The only other name, non Gregory Russo, and he only played in one game, so I don't want to give him for a whole season. And I know you, th- I, I, I know think who. It is. who <sighs> I wanna give it to Sam Brooks so bad because I'm yep. I'm I'm projecting. I'm projecting at this point. And it's would it would it be fair to the rest of those players that, that had a chance to contribute? Uh because I mean I mean, he, I mean Nesta Silvera came to mind, but uh that's Nestor Silvera's a sophomore. Oh, he is a sophomore because he got he mm-hmm. did yeah, he is a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Because of these rules, see, and that's what's what it it kind of messes with you with this whole red shirt thing, when you can play and then not, and it really met for people like us who all we've ever seen is, oh well, you don't play, you play if you play at all, you're not a red shirt anymore, it's done, you've burned it, so it's kind of still kind of getting used to. I gotta give it to Sam Brooks only because I'm projecting, and it's just, and and it's not a Gregory Russo thing, and I can't give it to him, so. I'm projecting a ton off of one game. But if if that's what I've got, what I got for the rest of the season, even a half of that, that's – I'll give it to Sam Brooks.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, it makes sense. He started the bowl game and led the team in tackles, showcased why I and others were screaming about why are we not playing him next to Shaq Quarterman and, and wasting time by playing a walk-on in meaningful snap moments uh, when you have a guy like a Sam Brooks uh, there in his talent the only other place that I could potentially go if not Jordan Miller would be Gilbert Frierson um, at Stryker because he's the only other person who played real meaningful snaps as a freshman uh, even though he's a retro freshman but Keontre Smith really didn't to Corey Couch and Christian Williams they needed another mango season Avery Huff took a uh, Uh, Academic redshirt. Cam Williams did the same. Jafari Harvey played a handful of snaps. Jason Blissett, Jared Harrison Hunt, and Jalar Holly were most known for Jalar Holly's dancing on the sideline of those three defensive tackles. So, I mean, my process of elimination, and if it's not Gregory Russo, it was really, it was going to be Jordan Miller, Sam Brooks, or Gilbert Frierson. So, Frierson was an
0: option for me, but I want, he was very inconsistent, and I get it. Uh, he mm-hmm. needs time because he's I mean, he's playing a completely different position than everybody else. He's playing that that striker position. We call it a striker. Other players just call it the star uh, mm-hmm. or I think TCU calls it the, Their That's really their horn frog or whatever position. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very interesting position because simply put, it's a hybrid safety linebacker. And it's a very fun position to see um, because you can be a little bit of you can be. It doesn't really have a, a build. It doesn't have like a, a a prototype. And Gilbert Frierson has the size and the speed to be that guy. And I, I like what I saw. He just kinda looked lost a little bit, but man, Sam Brooks. Based off of and I've i I'm never that person that just gets really I make it like makes an emotional decision or just makes a very hasty decision. Sam Brooks is gonna be really good and I I'm just gonna give him that that way I can say later, I told you so.
1: I mean, I know Zach McLeod is coming back for a fifth year, but the pairing that gets me excited at linebacker is Sam Brooks and Avery Huff. I mean, who Have we had speed boy. like
0: that in a long time? When's the no. last time we've had speed like that?
1: Sean Spence. Exactly. That's it. Like, we have not had speed and athleticism and range like Brooks and Huff. I mean – and people, people are sleeping on Huff because he took a an academic excuse red shirt with Cameron Williams. Uh, so he wasn't actually part of the team that we saw this year. And, like, people don't watch high school football like that. So I saw Sam Brooks at Aquinas. I saw, Sa- I or, saw sorry, Sam Avery Brooks Huff. in person a couple times. Yeah, I've seen both of those guys in person multiple times at the high school level. And, man, and even just going to a couple games this year and seeing the way that Avery Huff's body is developing, like, he is a big pile of play-doh and like i know that uh the strength and conditioning coaches have to just be excited to be like yo what can we what what can we make him into where can we take his body where can we take his athleticism it doesn't have to be like dan kendra who went to florida state he was a quarterback back in the early 2000s blew out his knee and then while rehabbing fell in love with the weight room." stole some coaches' keys, was always in the weight room. He came back after his knee injury. People thought he was going to be the quarterback of the future at Florida State. This guy ends up being a fullback because he went from 195 pounds to 255 pounds of rock-solid mm-hmm. muscle. You don't got to do that kind of 60 pounds of muscle mm-hmm. on Avery Huff. But, bro, if you take him from 195 to 220 at, at a three-frame and he's all running already running a, a four, five or sub four, five. oh, boy, like, And you add that on top of what we saw from Sam Brooks and how you can take him to another level still coming another year off of a bad knee injury in high school. Ooh, man. Oh, those linebackers. That can be a special, special rangy group right there.
0: Now, before we kind of get to the more individual, I I won't even say the upper tier awards. There's one one more that, I, I want to say most improved player. This one, this one was tough because there's a lot of. I really could have. There was one guy I really wanted it wanted it to go to. Um, he dropped a lot of passes <laughs> and gave gave me reason to uh, not put him on this list. He needs to. He may get on this list next year, maybe. Um, that, that, that that. That would have been one Mark Pope, because. Um,
1: oh, I thought you were going a different direction. Yeah, there.
0: that would have been one Mark Pope. I, 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 really thought he'd be. I actually wanted Mark Pope to be, um, offensive player of the year. I thought that was going to be one of my my guys because he is so explosive, and um, the other guy would have been Jeff Thomas, and well, we saw what Jeff Thomas did. And his lack of playing time and lack of effort and all of that great stuff. So I got to give this one to – ooh, this is tough. It could go to – could it go to – I was between Cam Harris and Will Mallory. Simply put, Cam Harris, when he had to come through, made plays. Will Mallory got put in a position where he wasn't supposed to get any real playing time ever. I mean, you have Brevin Jordan in front of you. And so, he stepped up, he made some plays, he made some missteps too cuz he had that fumble in the in the ball game, but for all of what he's had to do, I, it was a very good showing. Uh, but I got to go Cam Harris because he 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 showed the potential last year, but he stepped it up this year um in some bad circumstances.
1: That's a good pick. And, you know, my name is Cam. His name is Cam. So I think that's a great choice. Um, he, yeah, you know, Cam Harris took advantage of Lorenzo Lingard's injury as a freshman to step into a bigger role down the stretch there. Uh, and then continued developing over the course of the offseason and then really uh, took a hold of that second running back slot. And when DJ Dallas, the overall offensive MVP, went down, he stepped up and performed admirably well. Um, And he was also, uh, you know, a rotation back before that anyway. So I think that that's a good choice uh, for Cam Harris and, uh, you know, congratulations to him. And I mean, that was your choice, obviously. I, however, am going to look elsewhere for most improved player. And a little background in case you're listening to this. This is a a player about whom I have been very uh, critical over the course of his career prior to this year. Uh, openly critical on State of the U on the State of the U Twitter account on my personal Twitter account um, just because the performance did not meet the standard and it was quite bad but he had the physical size he had the potential to be a solid player and that did not come to fruition in the past but this year this player he did his job and he wasn't you know Because it's easy to point out when somebody's not doing their job because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's a drop pass or a missed tackle or whatever it is. This guy just went out there and did his job. And it impacted the game on defense just because he helped tighten things up. He was not an issue. Um, And yeah, he finally started to play to the level of potential that people saw in him as a recruit several years ago. And so my most improved player, and once I say this name, you guys are going to be like, oh, yeah, he was really bad. And this year, he was actually pretty decent. Most improved player, safety, Robert Knowles. I like it. I like it. I mean, like, think about it. Before, Knowles would come on the field and the other team would score. Think about those games at Florida State. Think about all these times when he was out of position, missing tackles, yes. whatever, blah, 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 throughout the first few years of his career. And this year, did he give up like a couple of touchdowns? Yes, because the defense gave up touchdowns and no player is perfect. But by and large, he was either average to good across every game and that's in better than any interaction. And that's what I'm saying that is and this is a guy who five years ago people said coming out of Miami Edison high school he has a physicality but he's raw he can be a potential a player who uh, we're gonna have his potential overproduction right now and years down the line he's gonna pay off it took all the way to his fifth year to get there and I've been you can go search the tweets they're still up there I've been very critical of him but this year By and large, Robert Knowles did his job, and that improvement was massive. And that's why, to me, he was the most improved player. And I openly said it, and just as loudly as I criticized him for not doing the job, I'm also going to praise him now for as a fifth-year senior, finally getting to the level of performance that we have all aspired to, and improving himself along the way to be able to get there. So congratulations to Robert Knowles. Honestly and truly, it makes me happy to say that he was the most improved player.
0: You know, now that you said Robert Knowles, I don't want to change my pick, but a guy that really came to mind before we kind of uh, move on here, Romeo Finley. He, I mean, he was just he was Mister Consistent on defense. He, anytime you needed a guy to make a play, he made a play. Mm-hmm. But it was just it, he did he was a cog in in the grand scheme of thing. It wasn't like he was a superstar or anything, but he just always was in the right position. The ball's in the air, he's batting it down. Guy needs to get tackled for a loss. He's there. Plays the run well, plays the pass okay. He's just not a super freak athlete. Romeo like Finley, that. not like thinking of the overall stretch of the season. He was pretty good. He was pretty good and, and and I guess for me when I think of awards like this, it's always the it's instantly you think offense. Yeah. Um And I guess for me also, I know the defense is consistent. It's hard to say most improved. A lot of guys don't. How can you really improve on a defense that's as good as this defense has been over the last four years or so, three to four years or so?
1: Yeah, but I mean, individuals can improve. And the most improved player does not all of a sudden mean uh, transformational for the program. You know, it doesn't have to be Lamar Jackson at Louisville all of a sudden, out of the middle of nowhere. Oh, my God, what happened? Heisman Trophy, record setting. Yes, that's the easy one to see for quote-unquote most improved. But, yeah, like I said, you think about it, uh, Robert Knowles embodies that. And for me, I think for most everybody, last year in 2018, Romeo Finley was the most improved player. And then he was consistent at that level that he improved to through this season. So, I mean, yeah, it, it does make some sense. And, yeah, the easier one is uh, offense because, you know, that's what sells tickets and everything. Um, and that's but what yeah, was the know, bad if,
0: side of the ball. So, it's to, exactly. to see improvement. prove it, if you can actually see it. Right. Versus even, even with the Robert Knowles, it, the thing about safety is, and, and anybody in the secondary, we don't get it tw- all 22 copies. On a on, in a live game basis, so unless, that's film of
1: every single player on the field exactly. throughout the duration of the play. For those who are like was a whole all twenty two, you literally see all twenty two on both sides of the ball for the duration of the play.
0: I the one thing I've always said, I wish every game they had every any big game. Heck, you could give me every game in all twenty two format. It's, I know it's not sexy for TV, but I, I guarantee fans would love it over time. Simply put, if you don't have any other option it is what it is but fans would love it over time because they'll be able to hone in on the guy that they like the most or learn more about the game because now you get to see what the quarterback sees you get to see oh that db really isn't all that good he's just really fast that quarterback he where what is he looking at what is that hole that dj dallas hit how did he see that hole you know it's one of those things I've always said is it would be a great asset to, and I, you, you'll probably, we'll see that in the like the national championship game or something, but they experiment with it, but it's not an all the time thing. And I wish it would, would become an all the time thing.
1: Yeah. It's, and it's one of the the secondary or tertiary views that you can get for the national championship game. Uh, you also get the coaches suite back this year. So you have like six or seven coaches who just like break down the film as it goes, and you can learn a lot from that. I remember Pat Narduzzi at Pitt. He uh, was in the coach's room uh, with ESPN a couple of years ago doing that, and he was just like, oh, yeah, like, you can tell by substitution patterns and the splits from mm-hmm. uh, the wide receiver, so how far are they away from the, the tackle on their respective side of the field, what they're running. And he was just like, every play, he was like, oh, this is this with this crosser, and you can look at this, so this player's going to be highlighted, and And it was incredible. Mm -hmm. And he had other coaches in there as well, you know, some who are offensive-minded, some who are other defensive-minded coaches, and you can see how they view things and how they break it down uh, as well. So, yeah, you know, maybe look at that, but um, it is interesting. And, you know, if you play Madden, you get mostly all 22 until, you know, you throw the ball down the field and it zooms in on the throw, but, you know, we'll see.
0: Definitely, we will see. Uh, we have two more awards to get to, one where I think this one will be a little bit more of a difficult one, and then, you know, we got to give out our team Heisman, of course. So we'll get to get to that on the other side. All right, so we have assistant, t- uh, assistant coach of the year. This one's kind of, this one, I think we've had a beef with pretty much every assistant coach at some point this year. Whether it was Blake Baker, uh, the defense having to be taken back over by Manny Diaz, um, whether it was uh, Butch Perry uh, the off on the offensive line, that one was that one's questionable. I mean, that was supposed to be the one that everyone loved. For me, I'm gonna go. I re- I think I might want to go Mike Rump despite a lot of the issues.
1: Excuse me. I
0: need to hear the explanation for this one. Simply put, you're, for me, um, defensively, our secondary, outside of DJ Ivy, <laughs> DJ Ivy, you need to, um, DJ Ivy needs to be um, re-evaluated. That's a good way of saying it. But when you have guys like like Trajan Bandy, where he's just small, he can't do anything about the fact that he's playing out of position. Guys like Gilbert Frierson, they're freshmen, you know, redshirt freshmen, but he's making plays. Uh, Mari Carter got put out of two games because of um, targeting. So you're already having to deal with a lot of that. Secondary wasn't as bad; they weren't the bomb squad, right? So this team, this defense, got put in a ton of bad positions. And that's just the way it is. Um, I can't go Blake Baker. I mean, that. I mean we saw when you get replaced. When not,
1: you, not, well, wait, because he didn't necessarily get replaced. He got some help. He got help. He, because Blake Baker still called the defense throughout the entire season and everything. I'm interested to see not why it's not other people. What's the argument that you're making for assistant of the year being Mike Rumpf?
0: For me, again, like I said, this this defense got put in a lot of bad positions, and they're playing a lot of different teams where their sec this secondary got put in just terrible. Posi- I mean, you're not the pass rush was, eh? Uh, the I'll, I'll even go as far as this front seven was, eh? Uh, they weren't great. So the one thing I've always said about any secondary, you could have, you could have whoever you want, Deion Sanders and Patrick Peterson on both sides, it doesn't matter. Those guys are, can only cover for so long. DJ Ivy was the bomb squad. He was a bomb squad. It is what it is. Trajan Bandy was – he's just a little bit on the, the small side, but he was always that guy that was talking. I think the defense as a whole had to make plays, but this secondary was – they were okay in the grand scheme of things.
1: So, the secondary being okay in the grand scheme – is the argument for Mike Rump being... Yes, because
0: where are you going to go, okay? So if you're going to go defense... No, no,
1: no, 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 no,
0: Again, what's the argument for him, not
1: against anybody else? So We're not negative recruiting. We're not negative... Okay, okay. What are the merits for Mike Rump? And look, I'll give my pick later, and I'm just playing devil's advocate. If you picked him, what's the case that you're
0: making for him? My secondary was young Outside of um, Trajan Bandy Secondary is young So Uh,
1: Amari Carter Robert Knowles Fifth year senior You have two
0: fifth year seniors But you have Trajan Bandy And Trajan Bubba Bolden Bubba Bolden didn't really play long though He played all of what Two games
1: Bubba Bolden played multiple games before he got injured, and yeah, he missed four, but, like, that's a guy who was... He played a quarter of your season. He missed a quarter you of your You have Gervin Hall coming back. He's, I mean, yeah, he's a sophomore, but he's a guy who clock snaps.
0: Secondary still, it's a mixed bag. And for me, like I said, the secondary wasn't bad in a, in a year where... Ugh, this secondary should have been a lot worse than what they were. Just and so... Just saying. They Mike
1: gets all that credit and none for... Um, Excuse me, Bonda, who's the safety's coach.
0: That is true. That is true. That okay. Is, All right. I, look, so can, yeah, yeah. I, can I go – can we go no, – you, No, you picked my Rump. Now you good. Okay. Okay. Good. I was going to say, look, can we I... have a co-award
1: for that? Can we have a co- – If you yeah. want to give it to Rump and Bonda, sure. Yeah. We'll say co-award
0: since it's the whole secondary. That's your whole secondary. All
1: right. I'm with it. I'm with it. I just wanted to see what the argument was mm. for it because, you know – just like anything, like if you pick this guy or whatever, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the supporting facts? For I me, just,
0: I, I, just feel like the secondary for me, it should have been a lot worse than what it was going into the year. I knew DJ Ivy wasn't going to be great. I knew Trajan Bandy was going to be in a ton of positions where he wasn't going to be able to win. Simply, it's he's just vertically challenged. It's nothing. It's God didn't bless him to be what six two, right
1: and I hear you know you with your award to me that's a demerit for me that's a thing that is not a supporting factor for but a, a, a factor against giving this award as such for me um, even at the college level and okay you know college teams are built differently than professional teams mm-hmm. and sometimes you're gonna have a number one quarter who's five nine or five eight or whatever I get it but yeah to me that's a demerit not a not a addition um, yeah, and I, yeah, so I mean, that's just me, but okay, that's fine. You know, we can disagree. My uh, assistant coach of the year, uh, it should come as no surprise, is tight ends coach Steven Field. Um, the recruiting has been good at the position, the development and uh, usage has been great. Obviously, you come in, uh, in the first year, you have Brevin Jordan, the best tight end in America. You have Will Mallory, who's extremely talented as well. You have Michael Irvin II, who if nothing else can catch, and then he develops into a good rotation guy. You know, you have uh, Larry Hodges comes in, catches a couple touchdowns in uh, his action before uh, taking a red shirt. You have Brian Polindi, who didn't play much, but he's a very good blocker who came from a blocking offense at Denton uh in Texas before coming to Miami. And everything. So that's a guy who was utilized to his uh, best ability. You bring in a Dominic Mammarelli, who, yes, was committed previously um, to um, Todd Hartley at the tight end position, but you lock him down when he was looking elsewhere, including flipping to Georgia with Hartley. Sure, you lost the battle for the number one tight end in America. Washington out of uh, Las Vegas, but I'm not necessarily going to hold that 100% against you because you still brought in a, a, a good talent. So with the production, with the development, with the recruiting being where it is, I think that Stephen Field, and also I mentioned the recruiting because to me, the lack of recruiting at cornerback is also a huge demerit for Mike Rumpf, and that's why, uh, that's another reason why I couldn't give him the, uh, off, excuse me, assistant coach of the year. So yeah, for me, tight end coach Stephen Field.
0: Now, last but not least, we have the team Heisman. This one This one's kind of easy, just to be honest. I mean can we can we set the table that way we don't have to go reaching for guys just to I would say if you had to invite a a group of guys, Gregory Russo ends up there no matter what. He's the best player on defense probably. Shaq Quarterman that's a legacy. It would be more of a legacy kind of deal. Um, anybody you disagree with, at least please tell me. Um, DJ Dallas,
1: uh-huh.
0: heart and soul of the D- of the offense. Um, Brevin Jordan gets a he gets an honorary just because he's the best tight end in in America. Simply put, he's the best if he's used properly and we have an offensive line. He does a lot more. So I'll just get just just out of respect for him,
1: and if he wasn't injured,
0: and if he wasn't injured, he out of respect for him, he gets an invite. Will he win it? No. Um, for me, if you set the table, those are your guys, right? I'm with it. Okay, so you're good with that. Okay, nobody sure. else. You want to just kind of sneak in there in the back door? Not really. No. Okay. Okay.
1: Not. On, I mean, not from this team. Not. From not this from this
0: team. team. Okay. So, for me, if I had one vote for this team, for this. Team Heisman, I gotta go DJ Dallas, and I know that's crazy because the way uh Gregory Russo just tore it up on defense. But when you have a guy that your running game doesn't even exist really, the second he goes down, I think my excuse me. I think Miami would be fine without uh Gregory Russo, but and they'd be okay. They'd literally be okay. But I just really don't see Miami having anything as far as a running game. The play-action game goes away. The RPO game goes away. The receiving out of the backfield goes away. Because Cam, Cam Harris, to be honest, as much as I've given him, I gave him most improved, he's kind of, he's slightly above average. He doesn't, He doesn't scare me. If I'm game planning for him and him only, he doesn't scare me.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's fine. Again, we're going to disagree. I think that, I mean, yeah, there's only been one truly defensive player, and he wasn't even truly defensive because he played wide receiver and punt return and Charles Woodson and won the Heisman. It's Gregory Russo. And any kind of conversation, you're really just grasping at straws to see why not. Kind of like earlier when I was saying, okay, let's give the award to somebody else for most improved and, you know, freshman of the year or whatever just because this would have just been – you know Gregory Russo going up to the podium time after time again like Game of Thrones at the Emmys or something mm-hmm. but no the answer is Gregory Russo like that's it
0: and i can see how you want it you could you could give that vote because he was the he was a monster i mean when i look at yeah. his film you know i when i when the season's over i always go back and kind of review the film of every game and see what did i miss because you miss so much in a regular in a live game even when you go back you I like to go back and I might not watch a game I might not watch that Florida game for 2 weeks and say let me go see what I missed here. Oh, he missed that block. His footwork was crap. Gregory Russo didn't have doesn't have a ton of holes in his game at least at the college level. And I think that's the one thing I really like about him. Um and I didn't want to make this the Gregory Russo Invitational. So uh, because it really could have easily been that, like we said. So
1: Right, and I mean, we did kind of push away from that a little mm-hmm. bit to discuss some other people, but no, this is a premium award again. So yeah, no, you know, tie, uh, you know, button your blazer again, stand up, shake the hands of the people in the aisles next to you, you know, hug whoever uh, is there to be hugged and everything, come on back up to the podium, Gregor Russo, and accept your Canes Heisman for the 2018, excuse me, 19 season.
0: Now, would that Heisman Trophy look like a – would it be a a Heisman Trophy with a turnover chain on it? I'm just curious. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it would be –
1: it would be something Canes-themed. So, maybe it would be Kenny Calhoun in the middle of diving to break up that two-point conversion that gave Mm. Miami their first national championship Mm. ever. You know what I mean? Something like that. Uh, That would be like the Canes-Heisman, you know, something along those lines. Uh, uh, Jeremy Shockey pointing up after he scored that touchdown against Florida State in 2000. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe uh, something like that. You know, Michael Barrow um, doing his celebration after hitting Tamarick Vanover on that crossing route. Maybe it's uh, Thrill Hill with the six shooters after going oh, up the tunnel. Oh, that would be
0: great. That would. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yes,
1: yeah, so I, I would say one of those iconic moments just in a. Uh, in a in a trophy kind of way, you know, mm-hmm. like we could, yeah, we could definitely make that happen.
0: Oh yeah, that that would be very interesting. I've always wondered why they haven't done for their own team awards. They've never done something like that, but it is what it is. Maybe if those guys hear that, if we if, if we happen to hear about a Miami team Heisman, I need to cut the check. Just saying, just saying.
1: I'm saying. I mean, look, that's okay. You know, we've given you the IP, but this is copyrighted. So mm-hmm. if you do it, uh, just cut us the check, mm-hmm. or you know, invite us to the ceremony. You know, we can come on down for that too. But oh, you yeah. know, either oh, yeah. in both, or either either or both. It's oh hard.
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. So, we before we kind of wrap this thing up, uh, got a, a big announcement. We do have a guest on for Friday. We will be breaking down this Rhett Lashley offense. We have a coach coming in. Uh, I don't want to give too many details, but we have a special guest, a coach, who runs a very similar offense to this. And he's going to be able to break it all down, and I'll see if we... I think we're going to also have a a little bit of a video kind of deal with it, maybe. So we might have to... This might be something very interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Also, let us know what you think on Twitter. We gave the Breaking News mini-episode we did the reaction to that was very good. If you guys like that, let us know on Twitter because we can possibly kind of sprinkle those in every now and then, little 10-15 minute episodes, just some just quick talk. Uh, on a quick subject that may be happening throughout the week, uh, since we have kind of dialed it back a little bit because it is the off season. and because it is the off season, um, there's not as much to talk about. We do have recruiting and we'll be having our our guy Andrew Ivans back on at some point to talk about that recruiting because not the what we call the original signing day will be is fastly approaching. we I mean we're already. We're, what, we're a, third, a third of the way almost through January already. Time flies. It really does. Um,
1: it, it does. Um, and I'm, I don't remember if we talked about this or not, but quick thoughts on Rhett
0: Lashley as offensive coordinator? Yeah.
1: I know we're going to get more into that on Friday, but I, quick thoughts?
0: Quick thoughts, I like it because I think it's a bit of – he's going to be a bit of a mismatch of, of what you saw at Auburn as well as what you saw at – um at SMU and I think his his route combos what I lo- I love I actually watched the I actually went back and watched three games from him one against um TCU which that one if you have not had time go back and watch SMU against TCU the route combinations are lovely the guys that we have they fit this offense perfectly even Jaren, one Jaron Williams could fit in this offense I'm excited about this offense
1: Okay cool Yeah I'm excited also I think that uh it could be multiple. So depending on, you know, what actually is asked, you know, Jaron could do very well. I still think that Nikosi could do very well in a spread system because mm-hmm. that's what he grew up doing. That's what he set records in doing in high school, uh, at O'Cala Vanguard. You know, you have Tyler Van Dyke whose high school went more spread this past year, so he could fit in that. Um, maybe a Tate Martell even. I still don't necessarily think that he's the passer that we need, but uh, running a spread or some type of Martel more- needs to
0: transfer. Just saying. Hey, this but is I think that football.
1: running a spread is more his skill set. And then, I mean, I do think that Peyton Matoka is basically is on the just a program now. player who's going to be here graduating three or four years and transfer mm-hmm. elsewhere, maybe down a level uh, to either a group of five or FCS to try to play as a maybe fourth or fifth year senior. Um, but Matoka also played in the spread in high school. So I think we have five quarterbacks who could uh, – lend themselves well to a spread system that you know obviously would be slightly different based upon uh, their skill sets but yeah you know I've been crying for uh, sp- pace and space uh, spread offense for a long time so I'm excited to see uh, what Lashley brings and yeah having been in Auburn which was really run heavy and then SMU which was balanced and more pass heavy actually a little bit on the pass side I'm excited to see what will happen honestly.
0: Definitely, definitely. Uh, the one thing I will say before we kind of uh, before we kind of get out of here, as far as this offense is concerned, one Shane Bouchelle, who used to be at Texas before transferring, he fit in this offense perfectly. It's the, the reason why this offense is so multiple. If you want to be a true air raid kind of offense, guess what? Mm-hmm. You can have the pocket passer. Guess what? If you want to be, you want to have the Nick Marshall type feel, where it's more right. of the 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 Auburn style of the inverted veer type of offense, where the offensive line's a little bit smaller, a little bit mm-hmm. quicker, a little bit more of a power run team. Guess what? You got have guys like Mark Pope. Misdirection can happen. Guys like a uh, Donald Chaney. I can't wait to see him. And and uh, Jalen Knighton. I can't wait to see them in that type of offense because right. it's just slash and dash. I mean, that could easily be... Look, if, if I get a... If that happens to become a... We might have to trademark that if those guys really turn into something. Just saying. Absolutely. Definitely. Them, so um, I the, mean,
1: and the thing is, if you're looking to see the disparate levels uh, or styles of this offense, you're going to look at 2013 Auburn with mm-hmm. Nick Marshall, which was coordinated by Rhett Lashley, and 2019 SMU, which coordinated by Rhett Lashley. 2013 Auburn was more run-heavy because Nick Marshall wasn't a great passer, But... He was fast. They ran that inverted veer and the mm-hmm. different kind of run options and did that very well. And then obviously with Sonny Dykes as the head coach who's run a uh, uh, air raid system for many years, there was more of that at SMU. So you can see the multiplicity of a Rhett Lashley offense between those two seasons. And we're gonna talk more about that on Friday. But that's just kind of food for thought for those who want to go watch before Definitely. Uh, we dive into the snows.
0: What I might do, I, I came across a video that I really when I was kind of just studying this offense, I might drop that on the Twitter, might have to drop that on the Twitter and you guys can kind of have a visual because we can talk about it all day but if we you don't have a visual of it you know right. that's gonna be one of those things that it, it'll help you out and me I've actually coached in this type of offense so I I understand the tags, and we'll you'll hear different keywords when we talk to talk to our mm-hmm. guests on Friday about mm-hmm. how the routes are added and how things are done. It's a lot of option routes. That's something you'll hear also. So we'll get into it. We'll we'll, we'll get a chance to really talk ball on Friday, and I'm really excited. I don't know if you can really hear the, the when I get a chance to talk real ball with, with coaches that know what they're talking about. I get really I get really fired up, very fired up.
1: I hear it. Well, you know I'll be fired up on Friday and. I'm glad or hope that you guys are fired up while you're listening. So be sure that you like and subscribe to the show, iTunes, Podomatic, Stitcher, uh, anywhere else that you get the podcast. Uh, like, subscribe, give us five stars because you're hyped up.
0: Definitely. And make sure you go follow the show on Twitter, Locked on Canes. Uh, You'll also find myself on Twitter at FredProduceCFB, CFB, that is P-E-R-D-U-E. That's also, and you can also follow Cam on Twitter at Underwood Sports. Uh, We'll be talking to you guys on Friday. Again, make sure you stay tuned for for that special guest so we can break down this whole offense. This is the Locked on Canes podcast. For Cam, this is Fred. We are out and go Canes.